Good morning. Welcome to Coastline. I know we got some new faces here this morning, and so I want to welcome you guys. Really thankful that um, all the places you guys could have been on this beautiful Sunday morning in Southern California, you guys decided to come to church. In fact, I was thinking this morning when I got in my car to drive here, I was thinking, I wonder if anyone's going to be at church this morning. It, it, it was, it was, it's beautiful out there, isn't it? I was like, I, I, if there was ever a Sunday during the year where people would say, man, I think we're going to skip church this morning, I, I, I was like, this is probably going to be that Sunday. Watch when we get there, and yet you guys are here. You guys get extra bonus points for whatever game we're playing. I don't know. what We're not playing a game, but if we did, you get extra bonus points, and I pray that um, you guys would receive uh, blessings from the Lord this morning and that he'd speak to your guys' heart. All right, before we get into God's Word, one quick announcement for you guys. We have a very big event happening um, this week, and so want to remind you guys that VBS is this week, okay? So how many of you guys are excited? Anybody here excited for VBS? Okay, we are. I'm sure Pastor Samuel and Krishana might not be because VBS is here this week, but they're kind of heading up VBS, but... Uh, we're really excited. We're really thankful, um, even ahead to the Lord for uh, what he's going to do. We know that God is so faithful. He's so good, and he's going to bless his uh, kids this week. And so we have almost 40 um, signups, and so we have about almost 40 kids from 4 to 10 years old that are going to be here running around on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening. If you're here and you're like, what is he talking about? It's my first time or whatever, and you have children in that age range, it's not too late to sign up. Um, you guys can go out to our website um, last minute and jump in, get your kids in. Um, but specifically, if you need more information or maybe you've been on the fence or if you have any question about BBS, that's Pastor Sam there in the back real quick. He's the guy at the table, the man behind the mask. Okay, so that's um, him back there. You guys can... Talk to him, and he'll let you guys know uh, what VBS is all about. But our theme this year is All We Need Is Love. Sounds like a good, um, it would make a good song, right? All We Need Is Love. Okay, but we, um, is that the theme song this year? Uh, no. no, okay. <laughs> is it better than that one, though? Okay, okay. Cause, 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 yeah, that, that's a big song, so hopefully it's better than that one. So, all right, All We Need Is Love. The Lord has told us in his word, and I think it's the theme verse for BBS, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and that we are to love our neighbor. And so our kids are going to have not only the love of God poured into them, but they're going to be taught to um, go out and to love the Lord and to love their neighbors. So it's definitely going to be a blessing. And so once again, if you need more information, talk to Pastor Sam, those of you that have registered your child for BBS, um, you should have received an email this week with uh, all the details and all the information. So if you haven't, make sure you guys check your email. Or if you didn't get one, make sure you guys talk to him or Krishana. All right, and then last thing, because we have VBS this week, obviously we have no grow group on Wednesday evenings, okay? Uh, if you are wondering what grow groups are. There are midweek, um, you guys can call it kind of our discipleship course that we're going through. And so we've been talking about some of the basics of God's word. And so 
the format that we use is we meet for three weeks, and then we take two weeks off. We meet for three weeks and take two weeks off. So the past three Wednesday evenings have been absolutely great. Our good friend Anthony and Arlen, they both uh, taught us on those Wednesday evenings and did wonderful jobs. And so we pray that um, when we gather back in two weeks on Wednesday evening, that you guys would pray and consider joining us on Wednesday nights. But this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me over to Psalm 3? Let's go to Psalm 3 this morning. Psalm 3. If you're taking notes this morning, you guys can title this morning's message, Behind the Scenes. Behind the scenes, an inside look into David's heart. That's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to go behind the scenes and take a look at David's heart this morning. Would you take a look at uh, verse 1 with me? And let's read through Psalm 3. It says in verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. Verse 5, I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. Verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Say love. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for just allowing this time for us to gather and sit and receive your word. We pray that you would take this psalm this morning and that you would take the words from this psalm and god would you speak to our heart lord maybe even this morning the words of the psalm might reflect what's going on inside our hearts and so i pray that you would use our text to encourage us that you would use our text to exhort us that god you would use our text this morning to lift our head God, that you would use the text this morning to remind us that if you're for us, who can be against us? And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Here's an interesting fact that some of you might not know. While 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and parts of, of Kings these books, they tell the story of David. Throughout these books, you see all these different stories, these events that took place in the life of King David. Yet when you go to the Psalms, they also talk about the events, the stories, the life of King David. Yet the First Kings, Second Kings, First Samuel, Second Samuel tell the details of the events. The Psalms tell the story from behind the scenes. The Psalms, you could say, are David's journals. 
They're his prayers. They're his worship songs that he wrote while he was going through these various events. And so oftentimes when you read a story from 1st or 2nd Samuel, there's a psalm that lines up with the story. It's similar to, you guys remember back in the 90s, some of you don't because you were only born in the 90s, but you guys remember back in the 90s, there was a TV station or um, it was called VH1. Anybody remember VH1? VH1 used to have a show called Behind the Music. And on this show, they would go and they would tell the story, the stories that most of us already know, right? We go and we're like, oh, this band or this artist or this group. And most of the stuff, at least within the first five minutes of the show, were things that we know. They would talk about their songs. They would talk about the members of the group. They would talk about who they were dating or whatever it was. Most of the information within the first five minutes were things we all know. But that's not why we watched. The reason we watched was for the next 55 minutes. Because in the next 55 minutes, we were about to go behind the scenes, behind the music. We were about to find out things that you didn't see in the music video. We were about to find out things that didn't make it on the album. Back then, there was no Wikipedia, so we were about to find things that you couldn't find out on Wikipedia. In fact, a lot of this show, I mean... This is before I was a Christian, so don't judge me. A lot of the things on the show were more things you'd probably find in 2021 on TMZ, right? All the gossip, all the juice. Who dated who? Who inspired the song? Who fought with who in the band? There were all these things that happened behind the scenes or behind the music. So when you read First and Second Samuel, which is what we've been doing on Sunday mornings, We've been going through, and we're currently in 2 Samuel chapter 16, taking a look at the life of David through the events of Scripture. What we have are recorded details. What we have as we're going through 2 Samuel are the first five minutes of the show. All the things that most of us maybe even know. All the things that are out in public. All the things that are out before everyone. But when you read the Psalms, the Psalms tell what was going on behind the scenes. More importantly, the Psalms tell us what was going on inside David's heart as the events of 1st and 2nd Samuel transpired. In other words, you have the story and you have the journal behind the story. The Psalms record what David was really feeling, what David was really thinking, the things that maybe David doesn't tell other people, but David put pen to paper, and these are things that were him and the Lord. David gives us insight into what was going through his mind in the midst of being pursued. David gives us background on what he was feeling as he was being chased by his own son. And let me say this this morning, I share this with you because this is what some of us need to hear. You see, it's good for us to go through First and Second Samuel and take a look at and dissect and dig into stories that are in Scripture. But every once in a while, it's also good for us to 
go behind the scenes and say, what was he thinking? What was he feeling? Quick question for the wives that are here this morning. How great would it be for you to have a behind-the-scenes journal that your husband writes in? How many, how many ladies would, would love that? I mean, most of you ladies would, would love that, right? Because most of the time when us men go through things, all you can get out of us is, I don't know. How are you feeling? I don't know. What are you thinking? Uh, nothing. Yeah, I mean, th th that's all the reaction that some of you guys or some of you ladies get. Or something tragic happens and you ask your husband, how you feeling? Uh, I'm good, you know. I, I don't know why that's the stereotypical man voice, but I'm good, you know. So, and, and you're like, if I, can, I, can I get a little bit? Can I get a little bit of a sneak peek? Can I get a little bit of access to your heart or to your mind? Instead of getting told, leave me alone, you know. I, I'm not really a talker or whatever it is that we say. I was thinking about it. You know, when we go through things, how wonderful would it be if people knew what was really going on in our mind and what was really going on in our heart? Here, if you guys go back to your psalm, go, go, go back to your word real quick. I want you to notice the header. Take a look at the header this morning. The header to the psalm says this. It says, Psalm 3 a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And so right off the bat, right off the top, we have, okay, this is what was going through, or this was what was happening in David's life when he wrote this psalm. It would be similar to if you were to sit down with me right now. I'm 42 years old pastor this wonderful, beautiful church filled with you guys. And I also have some stuff going on in my life. My oldest daughter just turned 18. And boy, she lets me know that she's an adult now. I have my second daughter who's 17, and she's right on the verge of being adult too. And then the other two just think they're, you know, 12 and 14, but they think. But let me say this real quick. If, and I, I'm just going to be a little bit open with you guys this morning, if I had to write a psalm right now about my life and what I'm currently going through in this season, it would sound something like this. A psalm of Randolph, as he struggles with the thought that his children are getting older and older and older. That, that would be my psalm, and that would be the header. Let me share with you guys what's going on. So next month, we have a family vacation coming up. And so I told them, I told them all my kids about this vacation, you know, the older two have jobs now and things like that. And so I told them, August, mid-August, we are going on vacation. So you need to let your jobs know that you need those days off and we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to get away. And so my oldest two daughters, they go and they take the days off from work. And so they get approved and so great, we're going on family vacation, you know, like we do every single summer, like we've been doing for the past 18 years every single summer. I mentioned to you I have an 18-year-old now who 
decided to tell me, yes, I got the days off, but I've decided because I am 18, sounds like, you know, the venting of a mad crazy pastor, right? The, the, the diary of a crazy pastor. Anyways, she tells me, Dad, I got the days off, but I decided I'm actually going on a road trip with my friend Emma to Oregon. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be making family vacation this year. I'm going with Emma, and we're driving to Oregon those same days. I'm like, no, you're not. Well, I'm 18, right? So I'm dealing with that. And then my 17-year-old comes, and she should have no choice, but she then tells me, Dad, I also got the days off, but I don't think I want to go on vacation this year either. What? We always go on vacation together. Yeah, I think I want to fly out to Georgia and visit your sister. Is that okay with you? No. Well, I already talked to Mom. I already talked to Aunt. And then all of a sudden, now, family vacation... Family vacation has turned into my wife and I and our youngest two, but missing the older two. Why am I sharing this with you guys this morning? Because if I were to sit down and if I were to put pen to paper, on the surface, if you guys were to ask me, what does it feel like to not have your two children going on with you on vacation anymore? I would say, I don't need them. I don't even like them anyway, you know what I mean? On the surface, that's probably what you would get out of me. Didn't really like them, you know, I like the younger two better, you know, save me some money. Those are the type of things that you would probably, on the surface, hear come out of my mouth. But if I were to put pen to paper and you would read the Psalm of Randolph as he struggles with the thought of his children getting older and older, this is what verse one would say. No! That's the whole thing. And oh, 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 oh. That, that's all it would say. No! Verse 2, Lord, why? You know, I'm, th- that's what the psalm would read. If you would get into my journal, that's what my journal says. Now, why? What's so important about me sharing this with you? It's important that I share this with you guys this morning Because many of us, whether men or women, some of us are not the most talkative kind of people. We're not the most social people. We're not the most open books. There are things that go on inside of us. And we keep things very surfacing. When people ask you, you're okay, or I don't know, or everything's fine. But the reality is there might be things really going on inside our hearts. There might be things really going on inside our minds. And there's somewhere, someone, that, that these feelings, these thoughts, there's a direction that they, they, they need to be sent to. They can't just boil up inside. They can't just remain things that are, that are bottled up till we explode there has to be somewhere where we can be transparent. There has to be a place, a relationship, where we can say no, where we can say why, where we can say this hurts, where we can say I'm disappointed, where we can say, man, Lord, I don't get it. There has to be some place in our life We're on the surface, everything's fine, but we can really say, hey, I'm not fine. I'm not okay. 
this really does hurt. And as we get into the Psalms, one of the things you see is David found comfort in writing. He found comfort in journaling. He found comfort in going to the Lord and having this relationship with the Lord that maybe everybody else on the outside saw David and said, well, he seems to be okay, or he's handling this pretty well. But him and his relationship with the Lord, they both knew, man, David's going through it. And David is struggling through this. This morning, we're going behind the scenes into Psalm 3. If you were with us last Sunday morning, we actually finished with this psalm, but we didn't get to dig into it at all. Now, before we get into this psalm, let me remind you of what's happening in David's life while he's writing Psalm 3. Let me give you guys a quick summary of what's led to this point. Psalm 3 was written around the same time as 2 Samuel's chapters 15, 16, and 17. During that time, in those chapters, David was still king of Israel, but he was going through a miserable season of life. You guys remember last Sunday morning, David was forced out of Jerusalem, and David is now on the run. His son Absalom has undermined him and is seeking to take over the kingdom. And there's a group now that's been assembled around Absalom, including one of David's closest friends and one of David's counselors there in Israel, a man by the name of Ahithophel. And that group that's beginning to develop is increasing. By the day, by the hour, there are more and more who are now coming away from David and coming toward Team Absalom. In fact, there are many, and let me say this, many who now within Israel who've chosen to side against David. Now, that's the story. That's where we find ourselves in 2 Samuel, but let's go behind the scenes here in Psalm 3. And what I want you to do is, as we're taking a look at this psalm, as we're breaking it down verse by verse, I want you to ask yourselves a couple questions. The first question was, what was David feeling? What was really going on inside David's heart? What was he feeling? And we're going to see right off the bat, we're going to see in the text that David tells us how he's feeling. And then the second question we're going to ask this morning is, what was David thinking as his own son is trying to destroy him? Now, I know I've joked about this being a journal. I know I joked a little bit about this being, man, an axis or insight into a man's mind. But I think it's more accurate to describe this writing as a personal dialogue that David has with the Lord about his situation. So let's start in verse 1 this morning. Go back with me to Psalm 3. Would you take a look at verse 1 this morning? insight into what David was thinking. It says in verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Verse 2, many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. By reading these two verses, it's easy to see 
or it's easy to hear what David was feeling. According to verses 1 and 2 here, David was feeling betrayed. According to our text this morning, David is feeling surrounded. And specifically here in our text, David was feeling outnumbered. David was feeling outnumbered. Notice the words. Go go back with me to verse 1. Notice that it says, they have increased. They. Those who are seeking him, those who've joined team Absalom, they have increased. David's feeling outnumbered. Notice later on there, the second line of verse 1, it says, many are they. Would you underline that? Many are they. In fact, he says, many are they who rise up against me. He says, at one point, last week, a few days ago, I had a following. I had a loyal group around me who looked to me as their king, and yet many are they who rise up against me. In the past few days, in the past few weeks, there are people who once looked to me as their king who've now come against me. He says, many are they. And then go with me over to verse 2. Notice the beginning. It says, many are they. It, It says it again. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for him in God. Which leads to two questions this morning. If you're taking notes, would you write these two questions down. Number one this morning, first question that I want to ask about these many people, about those who have increased against David. Number one, what are the many doing to David? What are the many doing to David? In verse one, it says, they, the many, have increased who trouble me. And then in verse two, it says, they rise up uh, against me. And so what are they doing? What are are the many doing to David? They're troubling him. They're coming against him. At the writing of the Psalms, David was in this great deal of trouble. Obviously, we know, right? He's being pursued. He's being forced off the throne. He's being sent out of his home. He's being sent away from Israel. David is in trouble. And the trouble comes from his own son, The trouble comes from a man that he thought was his friend. And so now there's this rebellion that's come against David. They've overthrown him off the throne. And now there are others who are coming along his son and the side of his friend to join the ranks of those who are troubling David. Would you write this verse down, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13. It tells us, There came to David a messenger saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Trouble has come David's way. Now I want to stop here for a moment. And I want to just dig in a little bit into possibly what David might have been feeling at this moment. It's my personal belief that David was most most likely not ultimately hurt by his son's betrayal. Although David, I'm sure, was hurt that his son turned against him, I'm, I'm almost positive that it might not have been 
his son turning against him that caused all this hurt. You see, we know our kids, right? I mean, those of us that have children, we, we know what they're capable of. There's things that we see about them that nobody else sees with them. There's things that they might do or might say or participate in that might shock everybody else out there. But as parents, we, we kind of know our kids, right? When it comes to Absalom, I'm sure that there might have been this little tiny part of David that once the betrayal happened, the undermining took place, that he must have thought, well, if it was one of my kids, I, I mean, I, yeah, I probably could have seen Absalom doing it. After all, Absalom was the one who was capable of murdering his own brother Abnon, right? And so if he could murder his brother, does it shock you that he betrays his father? If he could murder his own brother, does it shock you that he would seek to destroy his own father? You see, for me, I believe what hurt David even more than the betrayal of his son was that the people, the people turned against him. The people that David had been devoted to as their king. The people that David gave his life for. This nation that David was willing to go and fight against a giant for. People that David, when he could have easily not got, not got back to Jerusalem, made his way back because he was convinced that God had called them to lead these people. You see, I believe that what really stung was all the people that were with them every single day. David, we love you. David, you're our king. David, you're my leader. David, I, I, I got your back. And then all of a sudden, David, we hate you. David, we're betraying you. David, we're now on his side, on that team. It had to have hurt. And so David, he goes and he journals. David goes and he puts pen to paper. And he says... Many are they that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Let me say this this morning. You give me your eyes for a moment, church. Listen. I believe that it's so important that when trouble comes our way, when our heart gets heavy, that we have some sort of outlet. And maybe it might not be the person in front of you. It may not be even someone that you spend every day with. And it might not be a counselor or anything like that. But I, I pray that every single one of us has some sort of outlet to express, Lord, I'm in trouble. Lord, this is how I feel. God, this is what's going through my mind. Lord, this is what stings. I pray that we would have an outlet, whether it's in the form of a person, whether it's in the form of a spiritual leader, whether it's in the form of a friend or a spouse, or whether it's in the form of a journal with pen and paper, and us in the Lord, I pray that there would be some sort of outlet when trouble hits our life.
that it wouldn't get bottled up and then the explosion. I pray that there would be an outlet. Second question, if you're taking notes this morning, number two. What are the many saying to David? What were the many, those who are increasing, what were they saying to David? Go back with me to verse two. One of the things that David was hearing from people, one of the things that was going out was verse two, there's no help for him in God. The whispers, or in some cases, maybe even to his face. Or as we're going to talk about next Sunday morning when we go back to 2 Samuel chapter 16, maybe there's the guy in the side of the road, Shimei, who's throwing rocks and cursing David. Many were looking to David and they were saying, man, look at what happened. You were a horrible man. You've done horrible things. Your family's out of control. There's no help for you, man. God is not in this. God's hand has left your life. Those were the things that many were saying to David. You see, David's situation was so bad that man, those around him, those who'd known him for years, felt that David was, was beyond God's help. There were those who, who said this probably was one of those moments in life where, man, not even God can rescue you, David. Or they might have even felt that God was unwilling to help David because of some of his past mistakes and some of his past sin. Some might have even said to David, David, this might even be what you deserve. Life is so bad, you deserve this. There is no help for David and God. I want to give you some perspective this morning real quick on help. Because that's what's being communicated to David, right? There is no help for you. God doesn't want to help you. God's not going to help you. His help is unattainable. Real quick, if you're in Psalm 3, would you go with me over to Psalm 121? Leave something in Psalm 3. Turn with me real quick this morning over to Psalm 121. As we spend a moment taking a look at some perspective on help. Before we read Psalm 121, let me say this this morning. There might be some of you here who are going through your own situation, your own circumstance, your own trial your own betrayal, your own pain, your own hurt. And you're here this morning and you too might have been hearing the whispers, maybe from people around you, maybe from the enemy, that there's no help in whatever situation you're going through. There's nothing, there's nowhere to turn. There's no one to touch. There, there, there's nothing around you. There's no help. Well, I want to remind you this morning and give you perspective this morning very quickly that that is an absolute lie. No matter how big your trial is, no matter how deep the wound, no matter how many tears are coming out, it's a lie. Look at Psalm 121 with me real quick. It says in verse 1, we're just going to take a look at the first two verses, it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. 
And so the psalmist says, man, I'm looking out. I need help. I'm looking. I'm searching. Somewhere out there, there has to be some help. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? As I look out, I'm wondering, is there help out there? Look at verse 2. He answers his own question. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If this is not underlined in your Bibles, I encourage you real quickly to take your pen, your pencil, your highlighter, something that makes a line here in verse 2, and would you underline, my help comes from the Lord. And then underline, who made heaven and earth. I want to stop here for a moment. Because if you're the person who's looking to the hills, looking out into the sky, wondering, where's my help? I've been going through this for years. I've been going through this for months. The pain of it is intense. Where's my help? Where is it? Let me say to you, your help comes from the Lord. And I know what some of you might be thinking. That's very churchy of you to say. That's very pastorly advice from you. My help comes from the Lord. Wow, ran up. But listen, here's the perspective. Notice the end of verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. And then the psalmist throws this little line in there. From the Lord. And you could read it like this. The Lord who made heaven and earth. Now consider this with me for a moment. Sometimes we think when we're going through things or going through trouble, which is what we're talking about this morning, We think that we are in so much trouble that there's no one, it's too big for anyone to help. It's just too big. Let me remind you of how big the heavens and the earth are. You see, God who made the heavens and the earth, that was not too big for him. It was not too big for him to make everything that is, to create everything that exists, everything that you see before you, around you, and next to you, and even up when you look up for help. He says all of this has been made, created by God. God is that big that he was able to make all of this. Now, let's go back down and shrink things down to our problem our trouble and not to make light of our trouble this morning because some of us are really going through big things but in comparison to the heavens and the earth how big are our problems when you line them up and you say here's my problem here's the heavens and the earth and you put them side by side how big's our problem is it as big as the heavens and the earth In most situations, the answer would probably be no, right? Oh, they feel like it in the moment. But when you put them side by side, probably not. So you go and you say, man, God was able to do this, this huge thing, create this this huge thing. Now, this is the question this morning. If God's big enough to be the maker of all this, Is God big enough to help over here? Is God big enough to take my situation when on scale with the heaven and the earth, line them up side by side, can God help me here? 
You see, it, it's about perspective on help this morning, right? Like I said, I know it sounds very preachy, very churchy, very pastorly for me to say this. But when you line it up with the heavens and the earth and him being the maker creator, you take your situation, you're like, okay, God's big enough. God's able. God can. God will. If God is big enough and powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, do we really think he can't help me in my situation? Now, before we move to verse 3, there's something I want you guys to notice at the end of verse 2. It, it just kind of is floating out there off on its own. Would you notice at the end of verse 2, there's this word by itself, Selah. You guys see it? Selah. This word Selah, it literally means to pause. Pause. Selah was actually this musical notation and it would signal to the singers or the instrumental players who were performing the psalms that there was a pause in that moment. We, we, we don't know if it meant that the, everything paused, if the instruments paused, the, the musicians paused, the singers paused, and it was silent. Or we don't know if that was a pause for just the singers and the instruments would keep playing, but there would be no lyrics. But whatever we know, we know that there was this symbol Selah, pause. It meant to stop. It meant to rest for a moment. And I believe that David here put Selahs, and you're going to notice them here in our text. He put Selahs in our text because it's good for us to pause sometimes. Or another way of saying it would be it's good for us to reflect sometimes. As God is speaking, even in our study this morning, there's a lot of stuff that's been said. It's good for us to say la. It's good for us to pause for a moment. When we're reading the Word, when God is speaking, it's good for us to truly reflect on what God is saying. And so this morning, God can help say la. Reflect on that. Rest in that. Let's keep reading verse 3. It says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory in the one who lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Here goes the word again, Selah. Here in verse 3, he says, Many are saying to me, I have no hope in God. But let me tell you what I believe. You see, verse, the end of verse 2 is, this is what people think. David here in verse 3 is saying, now let me tell you what I think. He says, this is what the whispers are, but let me tell you what the truth is. In verse 3, he says three things about the Lord. Would you write them down? The first thing he says, people are whispering this, but I believe, number one, you are my shield. God, everyone says there's no help for me, but I believe that you're my shield. Everyone says there's no help for me, God, but number two, you are my glory. And then number three, everyone says that there is no help for me, but number three, you are the lifter of my head. Let's go back to the first one. Everyone says there's no help, but God, you're my shield. You're my shield. You see, David was under attack, and he knew that God was his protection. He knew that God was 
his shield. Now, let me say something real quick before we move on from this word shield. This right here, when David declares, God, you are my shield, this isn't a prayer. This isn't David going and David saying, okay, let me tell you something. God, I'm praying that in my situation that you would become a shield to me. What David is saying, he's saying, I'm not praying that you're a shield. I'm declaring that you are a shield, that you're a shield, that God, you are my protector. Now, go with me over to verse 3. I want you guys to notice something else. David says, you are my glory. People say there's no help, but God, you're my glory. People, men, we find all sorts of things to glory in. We try to find glory, you know, in, with fame, with power. We try to find glory and prestige or, or, or with possessions. Yet David says, God, you are, you are my glory. It's you, God. My glory is not fame, possessions, prestige, or power. It's you, God. Would you write this verse down? Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. It says, Let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exceedingly or exercising loving kindness, judgment, and the righteousness in the earth. So God's word says, hey, if there's anything or anyone that we are going to glory in, it's not going to be you and I glorying in, hey, I just went to the ATM and I happened to have my bank statement. You, 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 you want to take a peek? Anybody ever have, um, have that happen before where somebody just accidentally wanted to show you their bank statement after they went? Anybody? Right? I, I've had that happen before, like, especially with my brothers. You know, Yo, Dolph, you want you take a look, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool, man. I'm happy for you. Are you going to share? I was like, I mean, what, 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 what's going on here? But I mean, we, we, we love to glory in what we have. Or another one with my brothers again. I mean, maybe these are all the glory people I know, but, um, you know, hey, I, I have my brother. Sometimes he pops in to my house while he's on the clock at work. And he goes, you know, I got like 20 people right now who are reporting to me, you know. And he goes, oh, w watch this. And he'll make a phone call and he'll call one of his guys that's under him at work and, hey, are you working? How's it going? You know, okay, man, keep it up as he's sitting on my couch while he's working, you know. But, and, and I just, it, what was he doing? Trying to flex, like, yeah, let me show you. I got power, right? Glory. If you're going to glory in something, glory in this that you know the Lord, that he's our glory. And then verse three, it says, God, you're the lifter of my head. This speaks of encouragement. You see, when many seek to discourage me and destroy me, God, you lift my head. There's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say, but God, you lift my head. Others try to tear me down, you lift me up. Reminds me of this famous poet that said these words, look up, child. Okay, anyways, listen, some Lauren Dago right there, but you, you, you got it, right? That's, what, that, that's where it comes from. Look up, child, lifter of 
our head. Keep, keep reading verse 4. How many of you guys are thankful I'm not a worship leader and I'm a pastor? Okay, thank you. Verse 4. I cried, you heard me from your holy hill. Lord, when I cried, when, when, when I throw these prayers and these thoughts out to you, Lord, you're not far away. Keep in mind here, David, as he's writing this, he's no longer in Jerusalem. He's no longer in his safe place of worship. God, are you out there? Oh, you're, you're still out there. Lord, I'm not in the usual place of where I cry out to you. God, did you hear me? Oh, yeah, Lord, you still hear me. And then notice at the end of verse 4, there's another Selah. Keep reading with me, verse 5. He says, I laid down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. When I'm in trouble, when I feel outnumbered, David is saying, God will give me rest. When I feel overwhelmed, God will give me rest. For David, sleep was such a blessing. And I know for us, when we're going through pressure and it's difficult to sleep because of all the weight and sleep doesn't feel possible, one of the biggest blessings that God can do for us is just give us rest, right? Because it's so hard to rest when it's intense and when things are heavy. He says, I lay down and slept, and I awoke, and the Lord sustained me. If you're taking notes, this word sustained in the Hebrew, it means to take hold of. In other words, while I'm going through all this, God continues to hold me. And there's something very peaceful about being held when life gets hard. When someone passes, there's something very comforting about someone coming and holding you. When things go on in your marriage, one of the most comforting things that you can do as a husband is come alongside your wife and sometimes she'll say, I don't even want to talk right now. And you're like, yes. And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to talk right now. Just what? Hold me, right? How many of you guys have been told that before? Just hold me. Just hug me. There's something very tender about the Lord sustaining us, about the Lord holding us. Let, let's finish verse 7. It says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Now, real quick, let me say this. Don't get too excited this isn't God massacre my enemy and all of a sudden now we're praying for the same thing. There's someone you really feel it against. You're like, Lord, my promise verse, and, and we try to make it all spiritual, right? My promise verse from the Lord is Psalm 3 verse 7, that he would strike my enemy on his cheekbone and that he'd break the teeth of my enemy. Lord, in your name, I claim this is a promise. No, no, no. This is, don't, you twisted sick people. Don't, don't, Look at this as a promise verse from the Lord, or, man, now I found my new prayer in Scripture. No, 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 no. This is two things. There's two ways that this, this passage could be interpreted. Some believe that this was actually David's way of saying, God, help my enemies to never go through what you put me through. Lord, help my enemies to never go through what they have put me through. They struck me. They've broken me. Lord, may they never go through this themselves. That's actually a very mature thing to pray, isn't it? Especially when someone hurts you, when they betray you, when they've broken you. 
Lord, although I've been through this, I pray that no one else would ever have to go through this. That could be. Or the second interpretation of this passage is this. This could be David saying, Lord, you've defeated my enemies in the past, and I know that you will defeat them in the future. Lord, you've given me victory over Goliath. You've given me victory over Saul. Lord, I know you'll give me victory over Absalom. And then the thought finishes in verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. You guys can close your Bibles. We're pretty much done this morning, but let me finish with this thought. Salvation belongs to, to the Lord. The word salvation here in the Hebrew it speaks of deliverance and victory. David was going through something very difficult, something very troubling, something very heavy. And he wanted to remind, or he was reminded that his deliverance, his victory, his saving was only found in the Lord. And so when you're in battle, God's your savior. He's your deliverer. But even big picture, when we don't know the Lord and our battle is with sin and we have a, we need to be forgiven of our sin issue, he's still our savior. He's our savior from sin. He's the one who died in our place because of our sin. And let me say this this morning, and we're going to pray. He says, your blessing is upon your people. I know that we don't always feel blessed. I know that maybe you walked in this morning and you're going through something and you do not feel blessed. Blessed is like the last thing, the last emotion, the last thought that you feel this morning. I want to remind you guys, his blessing is upon his people. If you walk with him, if your relationship with him, if your eyes are on him, if you've asked him to forgive you of your sin, his blessing is upon his people. You may not feel it. You may not think it. But let me remind you this morning, God is good, God is faithful, and his blessings, although they don't feel like they're there, his blessings are upon you. His blessings are upon you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for just the wonderful insight that we get here in Psalm 3. Lord, every Sunday we've been studying through 2 Samuel, taking a look at all these events, all these things going on, all these things happening. And Lord, for me at least, and I pray for others as well, that I pray it was good to be able to sit this morning and get a little bit of perspective, get a little bit of insight into what was going on, what David was, what was he thinking? What was he feeling? Lord, us too, when we're going through things, sometimes we don't share we don't talk. And yet there are things we feel. There are things we think. And there's an outlet we need for those thoughts and for those feelings. Thank you this morning that we saw one of those outlets, God, as David cried out to you. As David looked to the hills and said, my help 
comes from the Lord. Yes, there are many who trouble me, but man, the Lord is my shield. The Lord is my glory. The Lord is the lifter of my head. And so God, we thank you for this morning. I pray for each and every person here. Lord, as I always pray, God, I pray that there was something in the text, something in the teaching, something that was said this morning that was for every single person in this room, something that every single one of us can hold on to, something that every single one of us can walk away with and and say, that was why I came. That's what God wanted to say to me. That's what God's been trying to, to speak to my heart. Lord, I pray that we'd walk out with, with, with something, something from your word. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand.